Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the Everything USC podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, Los Angeles' number one sports podcast network, the only place with the show for every team in LA and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? I'm your host, Nara Wang, and my guest for episode 29 is making his second appearance on the show, but his first as a national championship winning head coach. Of course, I'm referring to the coach for the 2021 NCAA champion USC Women's Beach Volleyball Program, Dane Blanton. Coach, it's great to have you back on the Everything USC podcast. Well, Dar, it's really great to be here again and uh, in the position now, right? I like the ring to it, the national championship. You know, I can't say enough. The players stepped up and did their thing, and it was absolutely just an incredible season despite all the challenges that they had to go through. And we are going to get into all of that and so much more. Of course, if you enjoy listening to the show, you can subscribe and rate it wherever you get your favorite podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Luminary, TuneIn, and more. Or go right to the website, Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, on social media, at Believe Podcasts. For me, I'm on Twitter. You can find and follow me there, at Nara Wang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Dane, let the people know how they can catch up with you or the team on social media. Yeah, personally, it's at Dane Blanton for my Instagram and and Twitter, but uh, the team is at USC Beach, just as it sounds. And it's pretty easy to get a hold of us. And it's great to be connected. So if anyone wants to reach out, please do so. The Everything USC podcast is brought to you by Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online your online sportsbook experts. When Coach Dane Blanton was on the show previously in the summer of 2020, there was still a lot of unknowns when it came to how the COVID-19 pandemic would progress, when a vaccine could be developed and approved for mass distribution, and how all of that might affect college athletics. But by the time the USC Beach Volleyball Squad started its season on February 25th versus Pepperdine, there was light at the end of the COVID tunnel with three different vaccines FDA approved and cases starting to drop across much of the country. The women of Troy would win 13 straight dual matches to begin the season, rising from the fourth ranked team in the country to the top spot before losing two in a row at home against number two Florida State and number three LSU. That led to a shakeup among the top three pairs, and USC would reel off another double-digit winning streak before taking two tough losses in the Pac-12 championship to rival UCLA. USC was given the two-seed for the NCAA championship in Gulf Shores, Alabama, and didn't drop a duel, defeating Cal Poly, Florida State, 
Loyola Marymount, and lastly, getting revenge on the Bruins in the title match to win the fourth national championship in the program's history and the 131st national title in all sports for the University of Southern California. Dane, thinking about where we stood in this nation when I spoke to you last year and everything that's gone on since, how amazing has the journey of this season been for you and the team? Well, first of all, let me say how grateful we were and are as a team that there was a season. Like you said, there was so much turmoil and so much uncertainty. And then we were finally able to get back on the sand. I think it was December 2nd that the university cleared us to get back and to get some practices going. And so rolling into the 21 season, it was always, there was uncertainty because we were testing twice a week. There was some people had COVID, some people were quarantined, some people getting over COVID. And the whole year, you just thought of, you know, if we can just get through this week, if we can just get through this week, and that goes for every, I think, team out there. And even when we got to the national championship, I was so concerned that, you know, hopefully every team will be eligible and able to play and that no one gets knocked out due to this pandemic. And the NCAA and all the universities did a fantastic job to pull off the season. But if you look back to last year, you just didn't see that light at the end of the tunnel. And so I was really impressed by the way that our student athletes handled all the curveballs, all the testing, all the protocols that had to be put in order just to get on the court. And then once they did that, we knew we had a special team and the girls just committed to one another. And when they got inside those gates over at Merle Norman Stadium, they beat each other up so they could improve and get better. And they continued to do that all the way through the end, through that final matchup with UCLA that you spoke about, that was getting revenge after losing the Pac-12 championship. But I can't say enough about the student athletes who stepped up their game and really were resilient in all the challenges that were thrown their way. And you said you started practices up in December, February 25th, like I mentioned, was the season opener. When did you get that sense? Was it like right away from the beginning or somewhere in the middle of the season where you knew this team had what it took to win a national championship? I mean, I, you know, looking at it on paper, I thought when I assembled this team, you know, we had some great pieces and parts with Tina Gradina a national player of the year. She's Latvian going to the Olympics. We had Megan Kraft, the top recruit coming in. But I think the addition of grad transfer, Julia Scholes, Haley Harward, were, you know, putting some of the final pieces together because we had this solid team, you know, the Norse twins, Delaney Maple, we had Joy Dennis coming back. So looking at all these players, you know, I'm thinking over the roster, Sammy Slater, We just knew we had something special. But the question is, what do you do with that? You have the ingredients. It's about how do you put it together? How do you orchestrate it? How do you improve and make sure that we reach our potential? And that was our goal from day one was to reach our potential. And we knew if we did that, we could beat anybody in the country. But it's all about execution uh, for us. And that is what took place, especially in Gulf Shores, the players executed, they played for one another, and it was bigger than themselves, and they knew it, and they pushed through, and that's why they were able to play at the level 
that we saw them play, especially versus UCLA in the final. So that there was no doubt, you know, it could have been a lot closer and they made sure that they took care of business as fast as possible. Yeah, let's talk about that championship winning run out in Gulf Shores, Alabama at the NCAA championships. When you arrive, it's coming off of the disappointment of losing the Pac-12 title to UCLA. So you enter as a number two seed. But when you're looking at the bracket, how did you feel going into the tournament? I like the bracket. I mean, I thought this year the four teams kind of separated themselves from the rest of the pack. And that was us, UCLA, LSU, and Florida State. Outside of that, I saw LMU really making a push, as well as Cal Poly. Those two teams really pushed and and started to become a threat. But looking at the bracket, I knew, you know, you had to go through two of those four teams that I mentioned in the top. The fact that we faced Cal Poly first, and then we had to go through Florida State. And then we played the upset, which was LMU, who had beaten UCLA. Like I said, they came on strong. I liked the bracket when I saw it. Sure, the way we were playing throughout the year, we thought we would probably get that number one seed if we were to take care of business in the Pac-12 tournament. But, you know, looking back, it was you win the Pac-12, you celebrate for a couple of days, you win the national championship, you celebrate for a lifetime. And I thought that it was a huge lesson, us losing in the Pac-12s. The girls learned the lesson and didn't want to feel like that again. And I think that gave them a lot of motivation going into the national championship. So they weren't concerned at that point who they had to play. You knew if you're going to win a national championship, you're going to have to go through the best teams. And that was the case, you know, having to take down Florida State, LMU, who was on fire. And then ultimately UCLA, the crosstown rival, which made it even sweeter, right? What better could you ask for a national championship going up against a crosstown rival like UCLA? It was just incredible. And they always have a great team. They're always well coached. And I like playing the best, right? You want to play the best if you're going to be the best. And I think your game raises to another level. So we try to schedule the top teams as much as we can so that we get the most experience as we can. And that's the way you win championships. Yeah, I was going to say, did you and the team really want to get that rematch against UCLA in the title match because of not just the fact that they're the big rival, but because of losing in the Pac-12 title that you wanted to see them again with a national title on the line? You know, if that's the way the cards fell, then great. It is in hindsight, looking back on it, is it, you know, a little sweeter? Yeah, of course. But we weren't dead set on, oh, we got to play UCLA in the finals. You know, we didn't know if they would make it after being upset by LMU. When you're in a national championship, you're going to play whoever's in front of you. You don't really care who that is. When you look back at it and how things played out, you know, I think it was great the way it played out. I think it from a fan's point of view and from a media interest point of view, it's UCLA versus USC is a great matchup, but you, you're going to take a national championship anyway you can get it, right? Exactly. And so I want to ask you, how much did you learn from your first season as head coach in an abbreviated 2020 season when you went six and five when the season got cut off due to COVID and then you turn it into a 30 and four season capped off by a national championship. Yeah, like I said, we we made some moves, we made some acquisitions with players, and I think we assembled what I believe, because I've been around the sport since 2015, and I think we put together the strongest 10 players 
that have been assembled. You know, people probably argue with me over that, which you could argue it, but I think we had the best 10 players in the country and they played like that and were able to reach their potential. So yeah, it's one thing to look at your players and to see what their potential is. is another to go out there and execute it. But what I learned most from that first year was that you can't take anything for granted, right? You've got to really have that gratitude and appreciate getting on that court just to even practice. And what a shame it would be. And, and, you know, a lot of great teams were lost over COVID where you were in line and you waited to this time to create this championship and then it was pulled away from you. So that's the, the wild card that no one can predict what is going to be the state of play in terms of this pandemic will we be able to play will we see what this team's potential actually is and so i learned to really execute almost with more of a sense of urgency than that previous year because you just never knew when maybe things could be taken away from you of course this is the everything usc podcast on the believe podcast network i'm nara wang my guest today is the head coach for the USC Women's Beach Volleyball team, the NCAA champions for the year 2021, Dane Blanton, joining me today. If you want to find the show, you can get it wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Subscribe, download, and rate us. iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Luminary, TuneIn, and more. Or go to the website, Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, on social media, at Believe Podcasts. For me, you can catch me on Twitter at Nara Wang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Coach Dane Blanton, how do they find you or the team? Well, you find us on Instagram. That's where we're at, at USC Beach for the team and at Dane Blanton, D-A-I-N-B-L-A-N-T-O-N. So at Dane Blanton for me personally, at USC Beach for the team and Always looking to hear from our fans. Hey, everybody. Marcus Grant here from the NFL Network. Hope you're enjoying the Everything USC podcast with my longtime friend Nara Wang on the Believe Podcast Network. Believe in Trojan sports and fight on. Now let's talk with Coach Dane Blanton of the USC Women's Beach Volleyball Squad about the players and the big move he made during the midseason that might have got USC their national title in 2021. Of course, the Number one pair of Tina Gradina and Megan Kraft, named first-team All-Americans by the American Volleyball Coaches Association. Number two pair of Sammy Slater and Julia Scholes, named to the AVCA second-team All-America. Gradina became the third Trojan to be a three-time All-American, joining Kelly Clays and Sarah Hughes. Hughes was a four-time All-American. Kraft is the third USC freshman named as an All-American, joining Gradina and Hughes. Slater becomes the seventh two-time All-American in program history. And both top pairs, of course, were named to the NCAA Championship All-Tournament team as well. Shout out as well to Nicole Norse. She won the Elite 90 Award for the NCAA Beach Volleyball Championship, meaning that she had the highest GPA of all of the athletes competing at the championship. 3.94, a 3.94, so that's pretty impressive. So got to shout that out for Nicole Norse there. And along with her twin sister, Audrey, the Norse twins were the number five pair all season. 
and Joy Dennis and Delaney Maple were the number four pair for all but two matches. But there was a change on April 10th at the Pac-12 North Invitational in Phoenix to make the number one pair Gradina and Kraft. It had been mainly Gradina and Slater at number one. The number two pair of Skulls and Slater, at first it had been Haley Harward with either Skulls or Kraft most of the time. And then at number three, Haley Hallgren and Haley Harward were put together. Haley squared, H squared, after being basically Hallgren and Kraft. So what was the impetus for you to make those moves to the top three pairs midseason? Well, it was interesting. Like we played in the Pac-12 South, I believe it was. And at one point we had changed our lineup. I think it was against Utah that we played. We switched up our lineup. And once we did that, we kind of went on about our business and then Julia Scholes had an injury, so she didn't play for a little while. So when she came back, we needed to insert her at the spot where she had left, right? That's the only way you can do it after only a week or so. And so I started looking at the lineup. I thought that we were extremely strong at the one spot with the experience of Tina Gradina and Sammy Slater. Sammy has played at a high level for the previous two years and really shown how steady she is. She was getting a lot of serves when her and Tina were playing at that one spot. And then at the two spot, we had Haley Harward and Julia Scholes. And they were playing really well in the three spot. Megan Kraft, the freshman, Pac-12 freshman of the year, she was with Haley Hallgren. And I thought we had three really good teams. But when I started to see what Megan was capable of, and I said, let me give this a shot with Tina at the number one spot and let's slide Sammy down to the number two spot. She could play defense behind Julia Scholes and then take Haley from two and put her at three with Haley Hallgren. We call him the H bomb or H squared, whichever way you want to go with it. But I think by shuffling it up, we really got top heavy and very strong at the top, even stronger than we were. And I really liked seeing Tina and Megan play off each other. The chemistry was there. They both loved to block and play defense. So they were running a split block defense and alternating who was at the net rather than traditionally nowadays you have the blocker who's exclusively at the net and the defender who's exclusively in the backcourt. So they started to really click. And at the two spot, Julia and Sammy started to click and then the three spot, the Haley's took a little longer. I always saw the potential there and the athleticism, but it took a little longer for them to come around, but they finally came around in the national championship and really set the tone for us winning the championship. So I just think we made the team stronger by switching around the lineup. And that was the ideology behind it. And, you know, there's a few other things, but those are things I can't share with you. You know how it is. You got to keep some secrets, right, coach? <laughs> <laughs> you got to keep some secrets. But yeah, I think switching it up, we became even stronger. And a lot of people question those pairs and, and the way we went. But, you know, they hired me to make some tough decisions. And sometimes those are tough decisions. And you got to go with what your gut tells you. And uh, I think in the end, most people would agree that it was the correct decision. Yeah, I think it worked out all right. What was the team reaction when you came to them and said, hey, we're going to do this little switcheroo? How did they react? 
Oh, there's mixed reactions. You know, some people I think really liked it and were excited. Some were maybe a little skeptical. The change is always hard for people, especially when things are going well, right? The original lineup, we went on a, what, 13 out of the gate before we lost to some top teams. And then we started rolling once again. So the great thing is I respect the players and the players respect me. And we are able to talk things out. The communication is open to create a culture of openness and respect and really, you know, a culture of, hey, we're going to work hard and we're going to compete and we're going to push ourselves to another level. So most players are under the impression like, just put me on the court. I don't care who you put me with. Let's go. I know what I'm supposed to do. And they're going to bring their brand of volleyball to the court. And that's what the majority of people did. Even the ones that were maybe questioning the lineup at first, they started to understand and started to get it. And so, you know, I have an open door policy in my office, come by anytime. If something's bugging you, let's talk about it. So it was cool to hear the active participation of the athletes in me having that open flow of information to know exactly where they stood. And that's what this program is all about. Just being able to voice your opinion and to work hard. And it's very competitive and we want the best, you know, and that's what we're here to get a great education, to graduate, represent the university and hopefully walk away with some jewelry on their hands. And like you said, the team was doing pretty well and you did make the switch. But do you think you win that national title without making those changes? That's a great question. I think we have the ability to, it might have been a little more difficult, but I think the players, I mean, if you think about it at the end of the day, we're playing with the same players. We're just plugging in some different combinations. So I think the athletes, as I mentioned before, I thought we had from one to 10, the best team possibly assembled. And I think they could win with different combinations. So I think that our chances increase with the combination I went with, but I think the previous combination could have still been successful and won a national championship because the personnel is still there. And it worked out, especially at the number one position where Tina Gradina and Megan Kraft went 15 and one together as a pair to finish out the year and lead the team to a national title. And so, I got to ask this, and I know you're going to have a proper answer, but I have to ask this anyway. The AVCA Collegiate Beach Coach of the Year was given to Andrew Fuller of Stanford. And Stanford had a solid season, but come on, Coach Dane Blanton, how do you not win the (laughs) Coach of the Year award? (laughs) I don't know. That's, uh, you know, that's a subjective award, right? And the other coaches, I believe, vote on it. So, that's the thing. You just, you never know. Andrew, he, he had a solid year, you know, after struggling for four or five years, he got his team to the national championship tournament and they had a strong season and the other coaches thought that he was the coach of the year. So, you know, when you're looking at a subjective type of award that's voted on, then there's a lot of different things that go into play there. But Andrew's a great coach. I I was able to coach with Andrew in 2015 when I was a volunteer assist here at SC, and he was the assistant coach. So 
you know, it's a lot of people have asked me that, but I don't have anything bad to say about Andrew. And like I said, subjective voting awards can go different ways. That's why the biggest prize you can win is a national championship because you got to earn it. No one can take it away from you. And it's pretty objective. You know, the best team usually gets out there and wins. I will say that I was impressed with the Pac-12 player awards and we were able to sweep them with the freshman of the year and Megan Kraft, the player of the year and Tina Gradina, the pair of the year and Gradina and Kraft, the first team players in Julia Skoll, Sammy Slater, Tina Gradina, Megan Kraft, the second team, Pac-12 and Haley Harward. We just were, we were able to run the table there and the players just absolutely earned it. And I was happy that they were recognized the, the way they were. And so that was great. And then Andrew won coach of the year in the Pac-12 as well. So like I said, Andrew's a great coach and is doing his thing. It's like what happens a lot of times, the team that no one expects anything out of, and then they do all right, that coach wins the coach of the year, but you're getting the Phil Jackson treatment, right? Everyone thought, hey, USC is a really talented, good team. So they win a national title. It's not the greatest coaching thing. You guys were ranked fourth to start the year. If you were ranked number one, okay, maybe I buy that. So I'm saying that you should have won the Coach of the Year award. Like I said, you gave a proper answer to my question, but I'm saying Coach Dane Blanton should have won the Coach of the Year for taking USC to the national title. And again, this is the Everything USC podcast with Nara Wang. My guest for episode 29 is... Coach Dane Blanton of the USC Women's Beach Volleyball Program, the 2021 NCAA Champion Beach Volleyball Team. And if you want to find this podcast, go to wherever you get your favorite podcasts and subscribe, download, and rate it. Or go to the website Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, on social media at Believe Podcasts. For me, Find and follow me on Twitter at Nara Wang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Coach Blanton, if the folks out there listening want to connect with you or the team, how do they do it? At Dane Blanton on Instagram and Twitter. And then for our team, it's at USC Beach on Instagram. And that's where we're most active for sure. Some uh, really great videos have been put up there recently. And if you want to follow the team, definitely follow at USC Beach. Hey everyone, this is Chuck Arfine of NBC Sports Chicago, and you're listening to the Everything USC podcast with Nara Wang on the Believe Podcast Network. All right, Coach Blanton. So you win a national title in 2021. The very first question then becomes, can you do it again the very next season in 2022? So let's get into it by saying who's going to be returning and who are you losing from the roster that you're anticipating for 2022? Yeah, it should be uh, interesting. We'll lose Joy Dennis. She was at the four spot with Delaney Maple. And we'll also lose Haley Hallgren. She was at the three spot with Haley Harward. So Joy was out of eligibility, Whereas Haley Hallgren decided to go to graduate school in Michigan. And I think she's going to play indoor for the year. So of the 10 players, eight of them will be returning next year. Who do you expect then to step up into a bigger role next season that we didn't really see this year? It'll be interesting, right? Because we only lost two. I think the twins, as they get stronger, they'll move up 
in the lineup. What a fantastic job that they did taking care of that number five spot. They had a tough run in the end with UCLA, but they'll continue to get better. Then at four, Delaney Maple, she could play anywhere in the lineup. She's losing her partner in Joy Dennis, so that will be interesting. And then Haley Harward is at three without a partner because Haley Holgren has left. We're going to plug in some grad transfers. We're going to bring in some young talent. And uh, I could not be happier having eight returning starters out of 10 after a national championship season. I mean, we are in a great position. So now it's going to be about orchestrating and getting the players to play to their full potential. And of course, you mentioned the number one, Tina Gradina, is going to be in the Olympics. Again, let's hope there are Olympics. We don't really know for sure. I think it's going to happen. But until it happens, like you said at the beginning about how this whole season progressed, you just have a lot of unknowns out there. But Tina Gradina should be representing her home country of Latvia in the Olympics. And you guys had to manage her a little bit to avoid overworking her, obviously, as she prepares for the Olympics that were delayed a year. So how do you expect that Olympic experience to help her going into another season at USC? Oh, I mean, it's invaluable, right? Like you're going to the Olympics. The experience is going to be incredible for her. And hopefully she takes a lot from it. Hopefully she's peaking when she gets to that point. Our assistant coach, Gustavo Hocha, is with Tina in Russia at the moment. And he is going to be coaching her during the Olympics. And that's been really great in terms of what you referred to as managing her because she's training, obviously, with her Latvian partner and also with the school here at SC. So we were able to really manage her time, make sure she's not overtraining, make sure she's in optimal shape and conditioning and ready to go and peaking for May 9th, which she was, played maybe one of her best matches ever in the national championship. And now from that point on, it was about two and a half months that she has to prepare and get ready for the Olympics. But, you know, I was able to go to two Olympics myself and you just can't replace that type of experience because you're going to learn a lot. You're going to see a lot. You're going to be on this huge stage, no stage bigger than that. And hopefully she brings back a medal and hopefully she brings back a ton of experience. So she's on quite a ride right now. She's the first NCAA athlete to play in the Olympics for beach volleyball, which is pretty impressive. And I'm excited to see what the possibilities are for her she's just got an incredible career ahead of her. As you mentioned, you went to two Olympics. You are the 2000 gold medalist in beach volleyball, along with your partner, Eric Fanoimawana in Sydney. So did she ask you any advice or get your thoughts from your Olympic experience that could maybe help her out? Yeah, she asked me a lot. You know, I think managing when you're there is so important. You want to make sure that there's not a lot of distractions, limited distractions, have some people handling even the close family and friends that are around, which who knows who's going to be able to go to this Olympics. But in a traditional Olympic, sometimes even your family and friends can be distracting because they may need tickets or they need to be accommodated for. So, you know, I really told her you need to have a person that is kind of a go-between you and the outside world in a sense, because you want to be on lockdown. You want to be so hyper-focused on what you're doing, but you want to do what you've normally done as well. 
if it becomes this huge event and this big deal and I got to play my best, that's when people get tight. They end up having a less than desirable experience. So it's about doing what she does best and uh, relaxing, going in with a, an open mind that you're going to be as present as possible and try to knock down some walls, but more importantly, limit the distractions so that you can be focused at the task at hand because there's a lot of moving parts and a lot of organization and I've given her as much advice as she's asked for and hopefully she can use it and be successful. But every Olympics experience is different. I remember from 2000 to 2004, you know, one was pre 9-11 in Sydney and then one was post 9-11, a very different experience. So, you know, you take all the little tidbits of information from people and hopefully she can do that and make it a wonderful experience for her. And I hope that she's successful and is able to bring home a medal. Yeah. And this is going to be a very different Olympics. I don't think there are going to be a lot of family and friends allowed to even travel to Japan for it because of the COVID restrictions that are going to be put in place for travel and limiting the numbers of people allowed into the Olympics. So it's going to be very different in terms of crowds and surroundings and everything like that for the athletes. So we'll see how that goes. But we definitely wish Tina Gradina the best of luck for her Olympic beach volleyball experience. And so before I let you go, Coach Dane Blanton, tell me in your best Pat Riley impersonation. Are you going to call out a repeat for USC Beach Volleyball in 2022? I'm not big on guarantees, but let's just say I feel good about the team and I'm excited to get back into it after a summer of recruiting and also celebrating. You know, I haven't really stopped and let it all soak in yet. And I think some of the players are in the same situation, but there's always work to be done. And so I'm preparing for this recruiting window that's opening up in June and we're getting out of a dead period. And so I'm going to, as soon as I can, I'm going to celebrate a little bit and get back to work because it never sleeps and the players are getting better every day and there's more and more players out there. So we got to make sure we're bringing in these great athletes like we have here currently. We got to keep that flow happening. And I realize the importance of that. So once that's all taken care of, then we can maybe have a sigh of relief and celebrate a little bit, and then we'll get back to it as soon as we can. You're learning. The work of a coach never never stops, does it? So Nope. <laughs> I appreciate you coming back on the show. It's always great to talk to you about beach volleyball. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me on and uh, anytime, and hopefully a year from now we can have a similar conversation, right? <laughs> that would be awesome. So for my guest, the head coach of the USC Women's Beach Volleyball Team, Dane Blanton, I'm Nara Wang. Thanks for joining us for episode 29 of the Everything USC podcast presented by Bet Online on the Believe Podcast Network, Los Angeles' number one sports podcast network, the only place with a show for every team in LA and so much more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe and as always, I end every show with a fight on. Fight on. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. 
Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.